0: Life good. Never off. Whoa! Hard. Hard Hardly. Come on, Brent. Life good. Got real close. Hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Ooh! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, physically distancing as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, I'm. I'm back. I'm here. I'm online. I was just telling you, uh, my internet service was down for a whole day, 24 hours. Yeah. Shocking. It's uh pretty insane. And we have the same provider. So anyway, um, I'm back, yeah. back online. So that's why we're a day late for anybody wondering yes. why we're late this week. It's Scott was offline all day on Wednesday. Yeah. We have the same provider. I was out for, I don't know how long, but from the time I woke up, Wednesday morning until about 12, between 12 and 12.30. I was out, but uh, you were out all day. All day. And I'll tell you what, uh, I'm a better man for it. Uh, I'm back from the edge. Uh, I got a lot of perspective. It's good. And I feel good. I feel uh, grateful. I I feel grateful now for what I have, whereas maybe I did not before. Nice. That's a very mature approach. I I commended you for that yesterday. Your maturity in the situation. Yeah, uh, like what are you going to do? Get angry? What's the point? It's true. No point. No point at all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there you go. So we are back and uh, a bit of a fun-ish show today, I guess. I don't know. Scott, as you know, curling has a lot of rules. Oh, so many rules. And this fall in October, the World Curling Federation released their updated rules for the 2020 season. And I went through the rule book with some level of scrutiny. And, Scott, I've identified some obscure rules in the curling rule book that I want to talk about. One, to see if you knew that these existed. Two, if these things were to come up in a game, if you think the players at the club, one, would know that this is what is supposed to happen, but two, actually do them. Okay. And three, just to talk about whether or not they're relevant or whether or not this is the correct rule or if some amendments need to be put into place. So just some obscure rules that I found in the curling rulebook. Perfect, Sean. Perfect. Now you will know or remember that I did my level one umpire's course in 2009. So I mean, uh, I probably know everything. (laughs) Yes, you have this already memorized. (laughs) Mhm. Yeah, so the rule book is broken up into different sections and then subsections. The R sections are the rules mm-hmm. and then the C sections are the competitions. And in the rule book, I'm just going to go in the order in which these things come up. So we're going to start with the R, the rules part okay. of the rule book. So section R2 deals with the stones. So Rule 2, R2B, says that each team uses a set of eight stones having the same handle color and individually identified by visible markings. If a stone is damaged and becomes unsuitable for play, a replacement stone is used. Here's where it gets weird, though. Okay. If a a replacement stone is not available, a stone previously delivered in the end is re-delivered. Yes. So what happens if we're on the skip slash rock and let's say the team is going for an eight ender. So all the rocks are in play. Do you take one that's in play and just move it back down to the other end? I would guess that in that situation, you don't get to throw your last rock if there's no replacement rock. Okay. You score seven points, and you know what? If you get seven points, it's pretty darn good. I guess. What if it's? What if you're only going to score one or two points, but there's a bunch of guards that are in play that are all relevant to the action? Yeah, this is a real club curler's dilemma, right? Uh, always got stones cluttering up the front. Yeah, at the competitive level, where at the end of an end, your uh, a busy end has ten stones in play. Mm -hmm. then fine. But at the club level, it's not entirely rare to see 14, 15 stones in play. No, it's definitely not. And uh, it's very frustrating to me when there are that many stones in play. Uh, (laughs) It usually means people missed their shots, but yes. Yeah. That's what I would guess. Does it explain shot? No, that's it. That's the end of the rule. That's the end of the rule. Then according to the game of stones podcast, if you're going for an 8-ender and your 8th stone is damaged, too bad. You only get 7 points. Okay. Deal with it. Okay. All Grow right. Up. Interesting. Grow okay. up and don't cry about it. All right. Well, uh, okay. Well, rule R2C doesn't quite address this, but it says that if a stone is broken in play, the teams use the, quote, spirit of curling yes. to decide where the stone or stones should be placed. So I did know this one. It was on, they talked about it on one of the web streams that I watched this weekend. Uh-huh. I don't remember who. I want to say it was from Switzerland. Uh, but yeah, they talked about the spirit of curling. And isn't that just a great catch-all for everything? Uh, right. now, now, of course, Sean, in the movie uh, Men with Brooms, we learned yes. that they used the largest chunk of the broken stone. Yes right? And the dead guy. Oh, and, uh, the dead guy's ashes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, to my interpretation, the, the spirit of curling would be, Oh, wherever that rock probably would have ended up. That's what we'll do. Uh, make a gentleman's agreement or a lady's agreement to say, yeah, all good. All right. What happens if an agreement cannot be reached? Because this is included in the rules. Do you know this? Full out fist fight. <laughs> Hockey style line roll. <laughs> so if an agreement cannot be reached, the end will be replayed. Ah, yes, yes. I, I did know that. They did talk about that as well. Yeah. But uh, I liked my answer better. So hope that it happens early in the end. Just yeah. That. Yeah. But then they also will have a broken stone, so they will need a replacement stone or revert back to rule uh, to Bravo. Yes. Mm. Yes, and hope that all of the stones are not in play when they need that replacement stone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, the next rule that relates to stones, stones, is there's a lot to mine from the stones. (laughs) Uh, R2D, this is what I'm going to call the honorary gunner rule. Okay. If a stone rolls over while in motion or comes to rest on its side or top, it is removed from play immediately. And when I read that, I thought there's only one person who I've ever seen come close to that having happened. Yeah, didn't somebody roll the stone on the side once? Was it Nicodine? Somebody someone yeah, they did that as like the last rock, the game was over. But I'm thinking in terms of actual competition, when Gunner tried to get something out from under is he thought it was picking in his hand and it sort of wobbled all the way down the the ice. That one could Mm -hmm. have gone on its side. Yes, that one really could have. And that was because he felt something, right? Yeah. Uh, He was on, he did a stream with John Cullen earlier this spring uh, where he talked about that shot and that, yeah, he felt something. So he just wanted to like get it rolling. And uh, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, definitely. And then the final thing in the stones section R2, E, should a handle completely separate from a stone during delivery, the delivering player has the option of either allowing the play to stand or re-delivering the stone after any deplaced stones have been replaced to their position prior to the incident taking place. Ah, okay, okay. So uh, what you want to do is make sure that the handle is pretty loose. Yeah, rip it off as you throw Throw the stone. Throw your stone. Oh, no, the handle came off. And then wait and see yeah. what happens. And then you got a free yeah. do-over. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's uh, got to be. Th- this is like money ball for curling, right? This is using every advantage that you have in the rule book uh, t- to win games. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about this one. It, it someone could game this. Yeah. Now uh, the electrified handles that they use, the eye on the hog system. Yeah. I, I believe if those are unscrewed, they don't work the same way. Probably uh, not. But uh, you know what? I might be wrong because it is, it's is—it's a magnet, magnetic sort of system, induction and stuff. So right, could work. And that comes up. That comes up later in the rules. Okay. What well, I, rule. I am a scientist, so I should probably be able to figure <laughs> it out. Uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, do you think anybody would game this? Maybe one of, one of these club players that's really going for bar bucks or something? Yeah, I think, yeah, you're more likely to see someone at the club level try to game this in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be really hard to do it. But if you did it, it would be pretty, pretty fun. And, and I think the other players on the sheet wouldn't know what to do. And you'd actually have to bring out the rule book and show them this is what the rule is. Mm-hmm. And then if you just did it repeatedly over and over and over <laughs> again... I don't think you would ever be invited back to play. Well, not and only then, from the other team, but your team as well would hate you. Yeah. And no one's ever going to buy you a drink. No matter if you, no. Uh, if you lose. No. No chance. You're sitting no by chance. yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it might be a smart play for 2020, but uh, beyond. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, so that, uh, yeah. So that's the Stones section. Those are the ones from Stones I found. Now, R3, section R3, Scott talks about teams. Ooh. I like to talk about composition of teams. Yes. The only thing that I thought was a little obscure here is section H, which says that if a player whose turn it is to deliver is unable to deliver both the allocated stones during end, the following procedure for the remainder of that end is thus. Hmm. And it depends on who the player is. So if the first player cannot deliver, or the second player cannot deliver, it's what you would expect to happen. That the other two players throw three and three, and then the skip throws two. Right. That's pretty standard. That's what you see everywhere. Yeah. Here's are, where it gets interesting. Yeah, so, so sorry, this is just if, in an end, one player can't throw. They're in yeah. the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if the lead can't throw the second and the third will each throw three. And if the second can't throw the lead and the third will each throw three. What you would normally see with the three-person team. Right. They ate too much chili. Gotta figure out. That's take how break. we do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But here's what's weird. If it is the third who cannot throw their two stones, the lead delivers the first third stone. The second delivers the second third stone and then the skip throws the last two stones. Ooh, Similarly, yeah. if the skip can't throw, the second delivers the first skip stone, and the third delivers the second skip stone. So in that scenario, the third is throwing three of the last four shots of the end. I, uh, I like this rule, Sean. I like this. It, I did not know about this. It's a little hard to keep track of. <laughs> Well, presumably when you have somebody that's missing for a game, you will designate somebody to be the skip, right? You'll just like say, oh, you're skipping tonight. So this wouldn't come up. But I guess in theory, you know, if our skip skip, is missing. Skip rolls his ankle coming off off the boards. Yeah. sort of thing. Skip steps off the board, rolls his ankle. Oh, I can't throw. This is what you're supposed to do. It's not the... It's not a situation where the third just goes and becomes the skip now. Right, right. Ooh, I ooh, I, I like this rule. I think uh, we could maybe take advantage of it. What, because you want to throw last? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a warning to Chris Griffin out there. Watch your knees, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, this is a really good rule that, that a lot of people wouldn't know about. And no. Uh yeah, it's I think it's a little more fair, right? Rather than throwing yeah. somebody into a skip job that they don't really want to throw both both last rocks, they don't they only have to throw the last one and 3 of the last 4 is pretty pretty good for your third, who's probably your your best remaining player. Yeah, for sure. At, at I, and I Pablo think it, I do sure. think it's strange yeah. though to not have it go 3 and 3 again. Right. Or, or I guess it's still three and three, but the, the, right. the threes are separated. And to not go so. two, three, three. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, that would probably be unfair. I guess. Eh. Yeah, maybe, maybe. All right. But yeah. So if, if you're ever out there and you're playing and the third or the skip in the middle of a game cannot play another an end. You're not just sort of moving around. You're actually splitting up the third rocks and the skips rocks. Yeah. And I mean, that's happened. Like I've had to leave games before because I had a terrible headache and I couldn't concentrate. So, yeah, yeah, it does happen. It does. So, uh, yeah, so that's sort of a weird one that is probably going to be something that people run into more often than some of the other ones uh, of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So section R4 is about position of players. So, obviously, this is not taking into account the distancing required in this time. But it is about, mostly it's about the physical location of people on the ice. But they had this really weird one, Scott. It's R4C subsection 4, which says that any world champion and multiple-time Olympic medalist must maintain a vendetta against their national governing body, which is weird. <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to slip a few in there, Sean. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why that would be included <laughs> in the official rules. Like I thought it was about physical position. I didn't think it was about ideological positions. It's strange. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that's that's a position that is held by a lot of uh, elite players, right? So yeah. uh, all good. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, section R5 is about the delivery of stones. Okay. So this one, uh, R5H, this is a Sean Graham uh, special Ooh. that I'm going to cite frequently when I'm <laughs> playing. Uh, all players must be ready to deliver their stones when their turns come and not take an unreasonable amount of time to play. So I wish they had defined what unreasonable uh, meant. yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate that this is in the rules. Yes. And in a timed game, obviously, there are consequences for using too much time. Whereas in a club game, there's not. And you're right. They have to use the word unreasonable because there's all different abilities of players, right? And, and levels of play. And so, but even beginner curlers can just be ready to throw. Right. Uh I'm thinking of the old guys that our dad plays with, right? Like would they, would they be taking, yeah, an unreasonable amount of time for them might be different for us, Probably, but uh, yeah, I'm really glad it's in the rule book and Sean, I think when you get your tattoo, uh, it should be this rule, the rule number tattooed (laughs) on your forehead for everyone, everyone to see see all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it gets people to hurry up, it might be worth it. It <laughs> might be, might be, uh, yeah. um, get it so on your knuckles, right? Like, uh, yeah. So I just show my fist. Boom. <laughs> uh, so, uh, rule R5M, this is an interesting one to me that I almost had this happen to me once I was, it was terrifying to me in the moment. Sean, was it, uh, was that M as in Mike or N as in November? It was M as in Mike. Okay. Thank you. R5M, as in Mike, if the wrong team delivers the first stone, subsection one states that if the error is discovered only after, excuse me, after only the first stone has been delivered, the end shall be replayed. So if the wrong Mm. lead throws the first rock and you notice it, okay, just pull the rock back. We're starting over. But subsection two says that if the error is discovered after the second stone of the end has been delivered play continues as if the air had not occurred so does that mean that you switch and one team will throw two rocks in a row to get the team that's supposed to have the last rock have the last rock or do you just continue to play with the team that was supposed to have the hammer whoops you lost the hammer because your lead through first and that's your fault hmm can you read that to me again if the error is discovered after the second stone of the end has been delivered, play continues as if the error had not occurred. Hmm. That's my interpretation is that uh, they assume that there was no error and you play as, as you are. Right. Yeah. So, I'd so say, yeah, you lose the hammer for being a dope. Yeah, I, I would think so. So this happened to me once. I was sparing and it was three people playing. So I'm the lead by myself playing with people who I don't particularly know very well. Mm -hmm. And it was in a cash league and it was the last end. It was the eighth end. And we had the hammer in a tie game. And I look up and all of a sudden there's, we have two stones left and the other team has two stones left. And our skip is coming down to throw her first one. And I say, like, we're supposed to have the hammer. What, what's going on? And she looked at me and said, did you throw first? Ah. And fortunately, I hadn't. But I thought to myself, that's something I might like. I could <laughs> see that? myself doing that. It, we Like one of the stones just happened to like get, you know, how stones can cross yeah. over sheets in some places. That's what had happened. So we weren't really counting. We were just looking at the stones that were left and the sheet next to us had stolen one of our stones. But okay. But yeah, so in that environment, if we had lost the hammer because of me, whoo, yeah, you would have cost your team uh, forty bucks, maybe or something. So yeah, uh, it would have okay. been a really bad. Yeah. And and so it actually wasn't your skip shot then, right? It was the third's. No, lost. so we went to the so we said, "Where's the like, where's the rock?" And we found it on the next sheet and took it up, and the third went through, and yeah, it was like a two or three minute delay, but we won the game, so I guess it was worth it. Boom. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. That's a tricky situation. And you're right. That can happen to anybody, uh, which is why I find playing lead to be very difficult. I don't want to have to think that much. <laughs> you have to pay attention to who scored. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. It's a real minefield. <laughs> yeah. All right. So section oh, R7. R5. Yeah. Yeah. Go Before we move on, are you going to cover what happens if you throw the wrong color? Is this what R7 is? No. If you throw the wrong color, I didn't think this was an obscure rule, so I didn't pull it, but it is in the rule book. Just replace it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The stone that was supposed to be delivered... You just replace where it ends up. Don't touch it. If you realize halfway down the ice, that's fine. Just don't touch it. Yeah. Let it play out. I thought I, I didn't think that was an obscure one. No, Maybe it's right. just because I play with idiots who do it all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, Sean, you shouldn't talk about the colorblind that way. You know, uh, <laughs> it's a tough life. Well, you still are going to the same side each time if you can't <laughs> see the colors, right? You're playing the right stones this time—the stones to the right of the hack or to the left of the hack, like presumably. It's not Presumably. All right. So uh, R7, this is one that has gotten a lot of attention recently. This is the section that's all about sweeping, Scott. My favorite. Yeah. Uh, So section R7I says that skips over the age of 45 must cite debris on the ice for all missed shots. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is otherwise known as the uh, Glenn Howard rule, right? Yeah. 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 So again, I mean, things that we have noticed, they're actually rules that these guys are just following. So, well, that's it. They're just following the rule book. So we, we can't complain about it anymore. Yeah. And that's really the only thing that's interesting in section R7, because basically it's a free-for-all now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so let's move on to section R8. Now, this one involves burned rocks and touching moving stones. And what I found really interesting here, Scott, is section C which is Mm. for the last stone draw, which of course has gotten more and more important in competitions as people are less likely to do tiebreakers now. We've even seen it at some international competitions where they're using the last stone draw instead of using a tiebreaker game. Absolutely. So section C, I, or one, the Roman numerals, right? So C1, if a member of the delivering team touches a moving stone or causes it to be touched during a last stone draw, the stone will be removed and recorded as 1.996 meters or six feet and six and a half inches. Yes. So this is something that, again, could be gamed. Maybe not so much by elite level teams, but if you're in an event with a last stone draw and someone throws it and it's going through the house... Just touch it. Take the six feet. That's better than missing the house altogether. No, I think the six foot is what they record everything that doesn't touch the house. Oh, they don't record a zero? Because I've been at events where we've gotten zero. Oh. <laughs> and not zero is in we're on the, the pin. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, when it's distance, uh, it's recorded as that 1.9 whatever meters. Okay. Yeah, because that's the diameter from the button to the 12th. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that makes some sense then. But here we go. Section C2 says that if a member of the non delivering team touches a moving stone or causes it to be touched, the stone will be re delivered. Oh. In what scenario does a last stone draw get touched by the other team? all right, here's the scenario I'm going to give you. Unless like, uh, unless John Morris is behind the, the stands and sees that someone's going to put the, like John Epping's going to put it right on the pinhole for the last game of the round Robin for first place in the bye at the briar. And he just sprints out onto the ice and dives and hits it while it's still moving. Yeah. Uh, that's one scenario. Uh, (laughs) uh, the one I thought of is, say this is at a club, right? You're doing LSD at a club spiel. And... Well, that seems dangerous to do LSD at a club spiel. <laughs> hey, Sean, uh, it's all the rage, man. As long Everybody, as you're not driving. Everybody's talking LSD. Uh, <laughs> it's So let's say I'm the lead or second and I'm standing you know, out beyond the hog line while the other team is delivering their, their last stone draw because... Mm-hmm. It's very crowded on the back, and I just like to stand there because there's fewer people around. Yeah. And I'm, uh, you know, looking around at the banners that are hung around the club, uh, looking at the ads, trying to see if I, there's a lawyer, you know, that whose services maybe I need. And my broom slips out of my hand and crashes onto the ice, and causes one of the sweepers to trip and hit their stone. Yeah. Okay, well, Scott, I think that would fall under RAC three, which says if an external force touches a moving stone or causes it to be touched, the stone will be re-delivered. Ah, okay. What is an external force? I I would assume that, or if you're in a place that doesn't have dividers between the sheets, right? uh, A stone coming across, or Jesus descends in the middle of your shot. Yeah, act of God. Included. Yeah, no dice. Maybe, hey, for our friends out West, if there's an earthquake during your shot. That would be pretty incredible if there was an earthquake uh, during a curling game and uh, all the rocks started bouncing around and, like, it it changed. (laughs) It, like, moved closer to the button. I think it would be great. Yeah, that'd be funny. Like, in the the women's final of the 2010 Olympics during (laughs) Cheryl Bernard's shot, there's an earthquake that actually pushes it into the line and she makes it and she's the <laughs> Olympic champion. Yeah. What a, what a great, what if, huh. <laughs> Yeah. It would be fun to have, a uh, an earthquake that's strong enough to cause the rocks to shift around a bit, but doesn't hurt anybody or cause any damage. Yeah. Like that, yeah. That would be fun to see. Yeah. The kind of earthquake that, uh, you see in that meme where like a lawn chair is knocked over. <laughs> Yeah, that happened here in Ottawa a few years ago that there was an earthquake. I was out of town and I came back and a book that was on the, or no, a, a frame that was sort of leaned against something had fallen down on the ground. And oh. that was the evidence in my apartment. One fallen frame. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, still in the last Stone draw, section F1. Says that if a member of the delivering team displaces a stationary stone or causes it to be displaced before the official completes the measurement, the stone will be removed and recorded as six feet six and a half inches. So, this, so this is, is another the, one where you ha- like, I don't know how you would actually cause it to be di- displaced. Well, this seems to me like a Ben Hebert rule where you know how he likes kicking stones really, yes. really. Uh, maybe he forgets that it's last stone draw, and it's just like, "Ah, oh, look at that cover in the pin. Woo! Kicks right. it away. And the umpire's like, "What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that's just another one. And that was another one, too, that I thought if they were doing like zeros for not hitting the the house, you could game that, right. But right. Uh, but not the case. So let's move on to r ten. This is equipment. Of course, Ooh, equipment, equipment gets a lot of attention. I have broken several of these rules uh, as they are laid out, uh, including the one that says don't damage the ice. Uh, don't knowingly damage the ice with a piece of equipment. But I will have everybody know that I replaced that brush head, and it's fine. It's not a big deal anymore. Yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. Hey, and it's, it only helped us win like four extra games that year. So whoa, sh- 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 I find it interesting. You replaced your brush head, and we finished dead last in the league. Yeah, yeah that old the old one was amazing and i was carving so much stuff with it yes you were so, so what do uh, we say So R10B this is one that it's always just bugged me when i've been at live events and this is actually the explanation for it so R10B says that no equipment shall be left unattended anywhere on the ice surface so if you ever go to an event you'll notice if a player throws their jacket on the end boards that an official goes and picks it up. That's not the official being just neat and tidy or not wanting it to be there for TV, although I'm sure that's a factor. But this is a rule that you can't just leave your stuff unattended anywhere. And it's also why when players put their brooms down, they have to put them in very specific spots. Right. So uh, the one I can think of that breaks this all the time would be BJ Neufeld, uh, who's always got his his broom and his gripper and his gloves Sort of scattered beside the sheet where the hog line is. Right. So that must be one of the approved areas in which yes. you can leave your stuff. Uh, the yeah. other is is right behind the bumper. Yeah, that tends it. to be the more popular spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you break this one, Sean? No, I don't bring any extra equipment. I throw with the same broom. I like. Yes. My, when I take my glove off to throw, I put it in my back pocket. I'm not. I'm not all fancy like. Yeah, no. Is is this the reason that uh, we see more so the women, but some of the men's teams they'll bring men's teams will bring backpacks and women will bring their purse yeah. out onto the ice. I, well, I think. I think, I think that that's weird. just a case of you. I mean, certainly we see teams with snacks and stuff, and just having that in a bag is easier, and certainly. On the women's side, and I'm sure the men's side too. You don't want to leave wallets and any sort of valuables in locker rooms and stuff. So if you put them with the coach, right there, it's just an easier way to store everything. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. The, I, I mean, I never uh, went in the locker rooms even when I had access to, uh, uh, you know, to the underbelly of the events. But I guess yeah, there's lots of volunteers milling around. Who knows who, yeah. is, who is who and all that. So yeah, and you and in most in most events, you're not the only ones using that locker room. And for a lot of the televised events, at least they're not true locker rooms in that there are no lockers. Right, they are just rooms. Yeah, rooms to put your so, uh, pants and shoes on and whatnot. Yeah, so you know, I'm sure I'm sure people leave clothes in there, but you wouldn't want to leave valuables. Right. Right. I've I've just always found it weird that, like, I'm carrying my purse out to uh, my curling game. I don't know. Hey, well, Scott, I'll tell you, this year, you're going to see a lot of it. Oh, yeah. No lockers at all. No lockers at all. It's going to be, it's going to be mayhem. Sure is. Sure is. (laughs) All right. So R10, still in the equipment. E, this is when a properly functioning electronic hog line device is being used. Subsection two says that a glove or mitt must not be worn on the delivery hand during the delivery of a stone. If there is a violation, the delivered stone shall be removed from play and any displaced stones shall be replaced by the non-offending team to their positions prior to the violation taking place. So this is one where I believe those things work on heat. Um, Do they not? It's, it's magnetic, so it's conductivity, right? It can tell if you're touching it um, the same way. I, I believe it's like the same way that a touch screen would work, like a inductive. Uh, I, I should look it up and not sound so yeah. stupid. But basically a glove would interfere with the yes. handle's ability to do its job. Yes, the, uh, the glove would definitely interfere. And uh, Sean, I'm going to call this the Hamburglar rule uh you can't wear two gloves uh at at the same time like the Hamburglar would right and there are players at the recreational level who I see throw with gloves so it would be something that if you ever play with a magnetic handle be something to just pay attention to yeah yeah uh I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon (laughs) all right so let's move on this is the last one that I've pulled from the rules section. This is R17. Scott, this is the prohibited substances section of the rule book. Not a lot in here. Uh, Rule A basically says don't take steroids or any banned substance. But this is a strange one. Rule uh, R17B2 says that men skips from Alberta with initials of the same letter must submit DNA or must submit two DNA tests to determine relation to curly the curling robot oh oh you know this is long overdue to be put in the book, sean yeah uh, we've seen these robot curlers coming out of alberta for too long uh, they are curling machines and have very little personality it's <laughs> it's uh just incredible that that I, I I assume they were all related to the curly the curling robot. So now they actually have to present evidence to the contrary, put the burden of proof on them. I like it. Well done, World Curling Federation. <laughs> yes, about time. So let's move on to the C section of the rule book. These are the rules of competition. So let's start with C one, which is just general rules. This is C one D that says smoking including e-smoking devices within the confines of, com- of the competition area at WCF events is prohibitive or prohibited or prohibited, excuse me. And somewhere every briar winner before 1970 is rolling over in their grave. <laughs> point that out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, some, some rinks still have, you know, the old spots for, for ashtrays, but, uh, not anymore. Yes. So also under the general rules, this, is, this one got some attention when this came out earlier this fall. But General C1L states that while a game is in progress, the coach, alternate player and all other team officials are prohibited from communicating with their team or being within the playing area except during specifically designated breaks or a team timeout. This restriction applies to all verbal, visual, written, and electronic communication, including any attempt to signal for the implementation of a team timeout. The coach, alternate player, and one team official may participate in the pre-event and pre-game practices, but may not communicate with their team during the last shot draw. During the game, there shall be no unauthorized communications or broadcasts of any sort from the coach bench to anyone who is not sitting in the designated area coaches and other team personnel sitting on the coach bench cannot watch or listen to the any broadcast Mm. and for any violation the offended person will be removed from the coach's bench for that game okay so they're not sneaking on their little earpiece to listen to uh the commentators up there um right so this Correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. This rule was changed, right, uh, this year? Yeah, allow- so now, now you're allowed to communicate between ends. Right. That's the change. Before, you weren't allowed to. But between ends, now it's okay, provided the facility and the way it's set up allows for that. Because sometimes you see they put basically another media bench 20 feet above the ice, and they put the coaches up there. So in that case, you, like you can't leave that to go down to the ice between ends. But if it's like what you see at a Briar or Scotty's and they're just sitting right there, then you can talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I saw this a lot at the Briar. I saw um, Adam Kingsbury and Matt Dunstone chatting between every end, uh, for sure. This is no... so Curling Canada allows communication... Curling Canada does allow it, yes. Yes. Uh, But this is the WCF, right? These rules? Yes, these are World Curling Federation rules. Yeah. So... Cause yeah. Cause you see them chatting like while the skip is throwing their last rock or something. Yes. Um, and that's okay. And, and it's okay. And it's, and it's good. And I yeah. asked, I asked uh, Adam what they were talking about and he uh, wouldn't tell me. So. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Good coach. Yeah. Smart. Mm-hmm. Keep it between the lines. Exactly. Yes. So uh, let's move on to C3. This is uniforms slash equipment, but uniforms is the most interesting part of this. So C3A states that all team members must wear identical uniforms and appropriate footwear when accessing the field of play for games or practices. Now, this is something I did not know and will pay attention to now. The team wears light colored shirts and plain jackets when assigned stones with light colored handles and wears dark colored shirts and plain jackets when assigned stones with dark colored handles. The color of these garments shall be registered with the WCF prior to the start of each competition. The coaches or officials must wear a team or national uniform whenever accessing the field of play. Unless otherwise approved by the WCF, a light-colored uniform will be predominantly white or yellow in color, and there must be a minimum of 70% of white or yellow on both the front and back side of the uniform. Mm-hmm. approval for any alternative alternative uniform must be requested at least eight weeks prior to an event and may be requested at the start of the season for multiple events. Yes. Uh, I did know this rule, Sean. Um, so, and, and, uh, Jonathan from rocks across the pond has told us how particular the WCF is when it comes to the yes. uniforms, right? Uh, like when it comes to wearing a hat, uh, the, Basically they don't like it, but uh, right. yeah. So this is why at the world championships, Canada will, will always have like a white uniform and then a, a red uh, and maybe a black to be able to accommodate this rule. Yes. Um, so the the one that I don't know, like I don't know if I've ever seen Sweden wearing anything other than their, their blue with yellow shirts. Have you? I don't think so, no. Yeah, so maybe there's enough yellow in it that they can get away with it, but right. Or maybe uh, it's an alternate that's been approved. That's right. That's right, maybe. It's very iconic but, okay, to but, Sweden. But here's here's the question though. So it says that wear light when you're dealing with when you're throwing the light colored stones and dark with the dark colored stones. Red and yellow. Is red really dark? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess that settles that. That settles that. So section B says that this, this one I just love for how ridiculous this is. Each shirt and jacket has the player's surname in 51 millimeter bracket, two inches or larger letters across the upper back of the garment and the name under which their association slash federation competes in 51 millimeter bracket, two inches or larger letters across the back above the waist. If desired, a national emblem may also be worn on the back, but only in addition to the name under which the association/federation competes, and mm. displayed between that name and the player's surname. Oh boy, that's a lot. That seems down. way too many details for putting your name on the jersey. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, when you when you're thinking about maybe the uh, the Asian teams, where the surname and and name are are a little bit different, yeah. Maybe that's what they're having to specify what name to use. Maybe, but like fifty, like saying what font it has to be, or the minimum size of the font, and you got to put if you want to put an l l What am I emblem an, emblem? Geez, uh, on the jersey, it has to go in this. But like, let's get creative. Like, let let Hodgson do his thing. Let Dynasty creative it up yeah yeah i i I agree uh world curling federation is maybe not as uh woke when it comes to their (laughs) comes to their uh, uniforms right so this rule is is entirely based on everyone looking the same and having the same dress out there so there's an addendum to it which is addendum four which says that for televised games all players will wear microphones for leads, they are only there to fulfill this rule and should not be interpreted as the audience at home being interested in their opinion. Uh, of course, you know, I, I think uh, Colin Hodgson really breaks this rule, right? Because he does <laughs> he does think that everyone is interested in his opinion um, as a lead. So yeah, oof. Uh, yeah. I, th- so I, think I like that they added that in. Yeah, they're going to have to take a look at that rule that uh, Team McEwen there. Oh boy. About the WCF rule. Right. It's not a curling Canada rule. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I guess maybe, are you saying that they won't get to, to a WCF event? I'm saying they have not been to one yet. <laughs> I'm not saying they won't get to one. They're certainly talented enough to get to one. Right on. Yeah, that's sort of like, uh, you know, when, when you're playing in the club and it doesn't matter what you wear and then you go to, you know, the first regional or, or zone play down and you all have to wear the same color pants and the same shirt. So you go... You go to winners, and you yeah. buy four of the same shirts, uh, just to make sure you match. Uh, it's kind of like that. He's going to have to get used to that rule, uh, yes. if, if and when they get to a WCF event. Absolutely. <laughs> and then Section G of this rule states that if an alternate alternate player comes into a game, that player must use the brush head of the player being replaced penalty if a new brush head is brought into the game the team will forfeit this is of course the rule that came up last year this isn't obscure necessarily it was obscure at Mm -hmm. the time but last year at the european championship cost the team a game yeah team england right uh or team england benefited from it yeah Yeah, they won won. and it was uh norway that uh that took the loss for that and that that loss by norway actually affected the the final standings in the sense that uh, they would have been in a tie for the last playoff spot with it. So, uh, yeah, a big ramifications that rule. And uh, still, I think I still think it's stupid. But anyway, right. So let's move on to section C six. There's about timing, and section J talks about the breaks in between an end. So it's a long rule. I won't go through all of it, but basically it says that. You have a set amount of time between ends and it does note that quote may vary due to television requirements or other external factors. And that's determined and explained prior to the event.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it says when play can start without the clock starting again, but it has a subsection, Scott, I think is quite interesting. It is uh, subsection two of rule C six J, which again, I don't know why they keep harping on this, but it says that in televised games, Leads are prohibited from complaining when their shots are not aired nor discussed by the commentators. Yeah. They're really picking on leads. This uh, WCF yeah. rule book. Eh? Uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, good. Know your role. And shut your mouth. <laughs> Steve Steve Austin or The Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's The Rock, but that actually leads nicely into C9 which are team ranking procedures. Ooh. A lot of talk this off season about the ranking procedures and how points are accumulated, all that kind of stuff. And so C nine section F subsection three says that leads will be used as scapegoats in the event that a, a team loses consecutive finals or B he can be replaced by Mark Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can be replaced by Mark Nichols. <laughs> really so, weird. So random. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I, could, I mean, I guess Steve Gould can't complain anymore. Yeah. Sorry, Stevie. It's in the rules. Yeah. No, it's right there in black and white. Just uh, Jeff Stouten can just go to his house and say, boom, rule book. Yeah. There's nothing you can <laughs> do about it. So, yeah. So that was a little strange. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pretty so, weird. Yeah. So that's it for all the rules. But they also, Scott, I, I was so happy. They have a dress code in here. Oh, boy. Let's yeah. get into it. So I'm just going to go run through all of the items on the dress uh, code and then the policy. So the first one is shoes. Scott, there are no restrictions on shoes. It's totally personal preference. But does the do you, you don't have to wear the same color as your team, right? For no, shoes? No, no restrictions. No awesome. restrictions at all. So you can do what you want. This is where the WCA this is the most fun thing in here. Well, it's the most fun real thing in right here. <laughs> so uh, next is socks. Socks say if worn under the trousers, no restrictions. <laughs> so you can't like baseball it up, basically. Right, right. So that's a bit of a downer because I've done that before, but only after I was called out for wearing high socks. Just well, so. if it says if it says if worn under the pants, no restrictions. Yep. Or trousers, sorry, trousers. Trousers. Uh, If, if it's worn over the trousers, does it, does it say what, what you can have? No. It just says if worn under the trousers, no restrictions. So I interpret that as uh, if you wear it above the trousers on top of the trousers. Uh, actually, no, sorry. Let let me, let me correct myself because the next one actually is leg warmers. (laughs) Okay. And it includes socks worn over the trousers, actually. Oh. I, I read the policy more closely. So for leg warmers, which includes socks over the trousers, must be the same for the complete team. Okay. So you could baseball it up and wear uh, high orange socks. Yeah. Yeah. That'd maybe would be one pretty day. fun. Yeah. I bought a bunch of high socks last week, so maybe. Hey, look at this guy, big spender. Yeah. Uh, so next is trousers. Mm-hmm. The trousers must have the same logos, crest, and color. They can be different brands, though. Okay, so if you good. want to wear Ashen pants and I want to wear Goldline pants, pants that's fine. But they have to be the same color. We have to have the same logos and crest on them. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Yes. And then there's a, after that, it says that pants must be kept on bracket. You wouldn't think we would have to include this. Thanks. Thomas Ulsrud. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's uh, necessary now, right? Everybody wants to see the pants dance and uh, yeah. Not going to happen. happen. Uh, Next is shorts. Shorts are not allowed in WCF competitions. (laughs) Oh yeah. Your personal uh, category here, Sean. Yeah, I've I've seen people wear shorts at Spiels and stuff, but I, yeah, I I could see why nobody would want to see that on national television. <laughs> uh, belts, if showing, they all must be the same. Oh, okay. but if not showing, then you're fine. So only if we can see them. Right, right, and they're going with a lot of no tuck look shirts uh, nowadays. Yes. Yes, because uh, shirts, it does say, can be tucked in or out. There's no tucking requirement. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, Next up, skirts. We don't see them much anymore. But if you have Mm -hmm. a skirt that you're going to play in, must be matching colors. Same color of tights can be a team mixture of skirts and trousers. So if only one player wants to wear a skirt, that's okay. But if multiple people are wearing the skirt, the skirts have to be the same. Right. And does this include kilts? Yes, it does. Okay. Okay, good. So uh, we we know what we need to do for our next uh, family bond spiel. Absolutely, we do. Um, next is undershirts. It says undershirts can be visible, long sleeves under short sleeves, but outfit must have color coordination. And this is something you see more of with the tight sleeves that people wear or compression mm-hmm. shirts. That more and more people wear, so it just has to be color coordinated. Okay, I think that's doable. Yeah, uh, vests. Uh, so vests are uh, okay. They must have color coordination, name association, etc. And yeah. again, one or more can wear. So you don't have to, everyone doesn't have to be in a vest, but it's available to you. Huh. Interesting. Uh, we talked about the jacket requirements <laughs> already. Um, and next, this is an addition for twenty twenty uh masks mm-hmm. and under the policy it just says fuck 2020 that's all it says <laughs> uh, then for hooded hooded jackets it says the this one's weird it says hood cannot be showing rolled up or tucked inside <laughs> so doesn't that just mean no hooded jackets yeah where where does the hood go yeah if i can't show it roll it up or tuck it inside That that seems like one of the ones I would have made up, but that's actually, that's a real (laughs) one. (laughs) Very strange. I love wearing these uh, to curl. Yeah. They're comfortable and warm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then we have hats. One or more can wear. More than one, all the same. Peaks forward. Logos of either the association or the event. Applies to the team and persons on the bench. The exception is for wheelchair curling where if more than one are wearing it, all must be the same color, but not necessarily the same style. Meaning they can put, uh, they can wear toques. Presumably to, or, or if there's a safety issue, if one person needs a, a helmet or some sort of a protective something, I would assume that would apply to that as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, no backward hats. It's the Uh, anti-Ken Griffey Jr. rule. It is. It is. Uh, Then we have scarves. One or more can wear, and they all have to be the same. Okay. And they added muscle shirts, and it says only if you can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. Makes Uh, sense. head, Head and wristbands. One or more can wear. More than one, they all have to be the same. All right. Uh, jewelry no restrictions personal preference Uh, okay so earrings nose rings uh, necklaces bracelets presumably that all applies to that yeah fill your boots yeah Uh, no restrictions on gloves Hmm. okay that's interesting i thought they might have had a color uh color thing with that. No. Nope. Uh, all right. Total personal preference on gloves. And then braces cannot be visible worn under a shirt or a jacket. Uh, okay. You mean uh, suspenders? Or like a knee brace or like, oh. you think need a knee brace to play? Yeah, yeah. I don't think this like, yeah, if you had braces cannot be visible. A lot of middle school kids would be banned from playing. Yeah, yeah. And didn't uh, Anna Sidorova have some braces a couple years ago? She did, yeah. She did. Yeah. So, you know, that seemed pretty unfair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then finally, uh, crests. No previous event crests are allowed. Approval of sponsor crest has to be sought or renewed for each event. So if you are the 2018 world champion, you can't put the 2018 world championship crest on your shirt. Right. Because they don't want you to intimidate the other teams. Right. Uh, And then there's a glossary and the glossary is sort of what you expect. There's no surprises, but I did want to point out Scott, as we call back to an earlier episode, we did that the word thrust does not appear in the (laughs) glossary of the world curling federation rules. Oh, well, Sean, that's because they expect everybody to know what the definition of thrust is. They don't need to spell oh. it out in a glossary for uh, dum-dums like you. that read <laughs> the rules. I guess. Or maybe it's just not a curling term. Maybe that. Maybe that's possibly a thing. Hey, listen, so, uh, let's, not, let's not open this debate again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, those are the rules, uh, the obscure rules that I identified. Everything else that is in the rule book is stuff that... I think anyone who's listening to this would have encountered before. Basically it outlines, you know, how you score the order of play, that kind of stuff. So nothing that you don't get if you've played, you know, three or four games, even that, that is in the rule book. So is there anything, Scott, a couple of things that you said you didn't know about, but anything that really surprised you or, or stands out? Um, the rules, you know, the, the, uh, extra care and attention put into the rules, the new rules for 2020, uh, you really appreciate it. A lot of uh, well thought out uh, plans, ideas uh, for how the game will work this year are really great. Really great. Uh, I'd say the most surprising to me is the thing about the order, how you play yeah. when one person goes down. That to me was the most surprising and the most interesting and probably the most exploitable definitely exploitable for sure. So I, can't no one wait. It. so I can't wait till we get back on the ice, Sean. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, so let us know what you think was the most obscure of the rules or if there's an obscure rule that I missed real or fake, uh, let <laughs> us know uh, any of those. Uh, and if you can't tell which ones were real or fake, you could get in touch with me and I can confirm which ones are real and which ones are fake. So thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show, wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, the ratings, comment as well. It helps the algorithms, helps our digital masters uh, approve of us and share us with other people. So please do those things. And if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, please do get in touch. Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Social media at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's there at Scott Lakes TV. I am at the Sean Graham. And you can head on over to Game of All of our past episodes are there, plus the link to the merch. We're selling the t-shirts online. It's our logo, three different colors. All the proceeds from that are going to Food Banks Canada, and we are matching every shirt that is purchased. So you can head on over there. But as I always like to say, if you don't want a shirt you just want to give to your local food bank or to Food Banks Canada, we're not going to argue with you on that one. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Scott, you're back in the world of the online. Yeah. Woo, I was just getting distracted by uh, a message thread with our friends at uh, Rocks Across the Pond. So I'm back in it. Uh, we're done, I guess. Unless you have some magical, beautiful insight that you want to give to the people internet good okay (laughs) all right words to live by uh thanks everybody for listening we'll be back with you again next week hopefully on the right day but until then get those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern make the final